got saved Since then I walk in forgiveness All of my guilt was erased The chains of the past are broken at last I got saved Oh, I got saved I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord I'm restored and made right He got a hold of my life I've got Jesus How could I want more? I received nothing but goodness Tasted and tasted your grace I was so lost till I fell at the cross I got saved, oh I got saved I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord I'm restored and made right Got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? The love of God gave me His pardon. The love of God won't let me stay the same. The love of God holds me up I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. Could I want more? I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I've got Jesus. How could I want more? Okay, friends, we do want to pray right now and invite you to type in your prayer request for the service this afternoon. Today is the seventh Sunday of Easter. It's the final Sunday of Easter. Next week we will be celebrating Pentecost. But for this day, will you type in your prayer request, whatever they may be. If they are anonymous or confidential, please just say I have an unspoken need for prayer. And the Lord already knows what we need even before we ask him. And he knows the end from the beginning. But as we have prayer requests, I would invite you to please pray for the family of Philip Williams. We had his service yesterday afternoon at our community campus. Philip was one of the community folks here at Shades of Grace, and he died in a drowning accident last week, very unexpectedly. And so please pray for his loved ones during this sad time. And also remember one another, continue to pray for Charlotte and Denny Price and their family and for everyone who has suffered loss in these days. And so whatever your needs are, I hope that you're typing them in. We're going to remember you right now. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we come to you in humility and gratefulness, knowing that you are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We lift every need to you, O God, most of all praying as you have taught the disciples to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. Help us to know your will, help us to walk in your plan, and help us to accept your purpose for everything that happens in life. For we know, O God, that you're with us and we never lose sight of you. Bless our time together now 
and hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. We are a nation under God, and I believe God intended for us to be free. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Darken the ways 
But showers of blessings may come any day He'll bring me through And I'll stand and say God is still good There have been times I've let him down I've made mistakes Still I have found I may stumble and fall But through it all God is still good Mercy still flows From the palms of His hands He will give grace And help me to stand Although I know How unworthy I am God is still good God is still good When the waves roll high God is still good All through the night when I've done all I can and I don't understand, God is still good. Clouds of doubt may darken the ways, but showers of blessings may come any day. He'll bring me through and I'll stand and say, God is still good. He'll bring me through. God is still good. Okay, friends, we invite you to prepare your hearts now for the singing of the doxology. We have so many blessings in life, so many things to thank God for. And uh, just ask you now to join me wherever you are in sharing this praise to the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. Praise God above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Good afternoon, friends. It is so good to have you join me by the virtual platform of either YouTube or Facebook Live stream or even on the podcast a little bit later in the week. So we welcome you to the Shades of Grace worship time this afternoon. Today is the seventh and final Sunday of Eastertide, and next week we will celebrate the birthday of the church, which is Pentecost, and it's going to be exciting. But today we will be talking about one of Jesus' prayers found in the Gospel of John 17. You know, there are a lot of prayers that our Lord gave us in the New Testament, and maybe someday we can do a study on the great prayers of Jesus. The most notable one is what we call the Lord's Prayer, and of course you probably know most of that by heart. But today, this may be a lesser-known prayer, but I'm going to read it now from John 17, verses 20 through 26. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory which you have given me because you loved me 
even before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So I titled this prayer of Jesus from John chapter 17, Jesus' Prayer for Unity. This weekend, as I have already mentioned, we conclude the seventh Sunday of Easter, but it doesn't mean that Easter has been canceled or discontinued, because we are an Easter people. We are a resurrection community. We follow the ones who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who lives and believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. You know, in the early centuries of the first church in Jerusalem after Pentecost, which we'll be talking about in the coming weeks, we will understand that every Lord's Day, every Sunday, was considered a little Easter. Now, we at Shades of Grace have been worshiping on Saturdays now after the pandemic, and that is our new offering to the community as an option for a unique time of worship. However, in the New Testament, when Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week, early Christians began worshiping on Sunday, which is the first day of the week, rather than the Old Testament Sabbath day. But let's never argue about the day in which we should worship, because the Bible clearly teaches that every day belongs to the Lord. The psalmist said, this is the day. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and let us worship the Lord right now, every day uh, and every hour. Let us keep our mind upon the Lord. You know, there are several seasons that are observed throughout the liturgical Christian calendar, and during the last six months, for example, we've been celebrating a number of those special days. First of all, we began with Advent, four Sundays preceding Christmas, as we had a time of waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Then we celebrated Christmas and the weeks of Christmas, and then we came into Lent, the season of Lent, and Easter as well as other special days like the Transfiguration of our Lord, the Baptism of our Lord Sunday, and others. However, the end of Eastertide does mean we are preparing to celebrate a very important birthday, the birthday of the Church. It's called Pentecost, and that season begins one week from today. And I'll be talking a lot in the coming weeks about the church, its function in the world, and help us to understand the power of the Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us into the truth of God's presence. First of all, though, when Jesus prayed the prayer for unity in John chapter 17, there was not a single church yet in existence on planet Earth. His prayer was meant to prepare the disciples and many others for that which would shortly come to pass. If you recall, the time of the New Testament did not come into existence until the resurrection of our Lord. And so Jesus still lived and preached and observed the Old Testament rituals as well as the disciples who followed him. But he was preparing them for a time to come when his earthly presence would no longer be with them but the Holy Spirit would be sent in his name to guide the people. Until the day of Pentecost, the people had congregated in the temple at Jerusalem for special holy days. They gathered in synagogues or meeting houses. And in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it tells us that the people actually met in house churches or house groups, small groups. And they went from place to place breaking bread and fellowshipping together. And the concept that we have today of the megachurch maybe was relatively unknown in the time of Jesus. 
Now we do know in the book of Acts, it teaches us that God added to the church daily such as were being saved. But you and I both know that no single house that anybody lives in could hold 3,000 people. So this meant multiple, multiple houses and communities where people were being added. They were being brought into the kingdom by the witness of faithful disciples and individuals rather than in very extreme large group settings. Before we go any further, let's be clear that the 21st century concept of church is really probably much different than originally understood at Pentecost. The first church that was begun, or the first church that was planted in Jerusalem, was led by none other than Pastor James. And James was a brother to Jesus our Lord. Some might say he was a half-brother, but the Bible does teach us that of the sisters and brothers that Jesus did have, his siblings, many of them only believed upon him after his resurrection from the dead. But James was set in order in the early church to be the pastor. And there's even a New Testament letter, a New Testament book, even though it is short, that bears his name. Now let's keep in mind that Jesus is the one and true foundation of the church. He stood on a mountain one day and he proclaimed, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. And then the church consists of all races, ethnicities, creeds, and any and all other labels that anyone would attach to humanity. You know, here at Shades of Grace, I hope that we all have thrown away the labels, well, at least the ones that we put on people and upon groups of people, and maybe the only labels that we carry in and out of the church would be sewn into the back of our shirt or in our pants. But as far as labels, we do not do that. God's church does not do that. The table in the church, the table of remembrance, the altar table, in which Holy Communion is served, is a table that belongs to the Lord. And He makes the invitation. And He says, All of you who are tired and weary, come. Come and be a part of what I am offering to you. But there are a lot more characteristics and facts about the Church of Jesus Christ that I plan to be teaching about in the coming weeks of the Pentecost season. And that's enough said right now about that part of the Church because from here out, I want to discuss the absolute necessity of unity in the church, which is also known as the body of Christ. Think of two words with me. First, think of community. Think of community and think of the word common. The word common. And you put the two of those together and you find common unity, and if you break that down, you have the word community. The community of faith that followed Jesus is the church today. It looks a lot different, no doubt, than it did in the days of our Lord. But in the days of Jesus, he was addressing a primarily Jewish community of disciples. Now, there were those Gentiles who had already begun to follow Jesus. And throughout the scriptures, there was that place where Gentiles always could be included. However, the message was a Jewish message to a Jewish community. And then the Bible says Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. So as many as did receive him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God, and that means you and me. That means whosoever will in our world today. And so we are in that common unity or that community of faith which is called the Church of Jesus Christ in the world. You don't have to have a large number of people. You only have to have two or more gathering in the name of the Lord and that's where church can happen. Now, I use the word church, church with parentheses, knowing that church is not a building. It's not anything more 
than persons gathered in the name of Jesus Christ doing the work of the kingdom of God and following the commands of Jesus. So we come together knowing that as the church, God has placed us here for a purpose and for a reason, but that church cannot exist without unity. It cannot survive as a divided church. Now I'm a part of the United Methodist Church, and sadly in many ways we are looked upon in the world as a untied church. You know, you take the word united, which means all together, and the word untied, which means unraveling, and they're all made with the exact same number of letters and the exact letters. They're only placed in a different order. So I ask you today, are we truly united or are we untied and less effective in the world? That's something that we all can think about. And we need to think about that today as we think about Jesus' prayer for unity. It means an awful lot to me when you or anyone I meet might address me and say, Pastor Will, I prayed for you today, or I'm praying for you. And often on Facebook we say, I'm praying for you. And I wonder how many times do we really pray, or do we just type that in because it's just a common reaction. But what, where I'm going with that is this point. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus has prayed for you, and Jesus will continue to pray for you and me. And how do we feel now knowing that Jesus Christ is praying for us? It's encouraging to know that someone else is praying for me. And I know that on certain days, that's all that gets me through are the prayers of you and other people. And yet, how much more should we be strengthened by the very knowledge that Jesus Christ is praying for us? And he knows our name. He's the good shepherd. He calls the sheep by name, but he also calls us to unity. It is the unity prayer. Jesus is the one who prayed it. And this prayer that I read to you today also is including those persons who are yet unborn. This means generations of people yet to come, whoever might be born a hundred years from now or whenever time shall continue on. I ask on behalf of those who will, future tense, believe in me through the words of these. He's talking about his disciples. So he's praying, Father, I'm praying on behalf of all those who years to come will believe the words of the disciples. And I read to you from the words of the disciples today, and I asked the congregation earlier, can anybody name those disciples for whom the four Gospels are named? They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so, even today, over 2,000 years later, Persons are still hearing those words. They're still believing the words of the gospel. They're still knowing who Jesus is, and they're still saying, Yes, Lord, I will follow you. So it's important to know that each of us has been included in the unity prayer and all those who call upon the name of the Lord. So again, I ask you, how does it make you feel to know that Jesus has been, is, and will continue to include you in his prayer. He's calling you by name. He's calling me by name. You know, I'm not much one for holidays in the uh, pulpit as far as secular holidays, but tomorrow will be Memorial Day in our nation, and I'm thinking of one of the emblems of our United States when I was a young person, you used to walk outside the post office or the courthouse and you would always see a little statue of Uncle Sam. And he would be dressed in the red, white, and blue and his finger is always pointing just like this to you. And it simply says, I want you. I'm looking for you. Uncle Sam wants you. Well, that's what Jesus is saying to each one of us 
today. I want you. I need you. I desire you to preach my kingdom and to share my love and to spread the good news of the gospel. And people are still doing that all these many centuries and even millenniums later. But in this prayer that I read to you today, Jesus prays for unity in the church. Why? So that the unbelieving world may believe that Jesus was sent into the world to deliver it from evil, or as the scripture might read, from the evil one. Now, most of you could quote John 3.16 today, and I give you time to do that. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in God might have eternal life. They may not be lost. They might be saved. But how many of you know what the next verse 17 says? It, it's the same as John 3.16, and it's just as true, but often we forget. It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be delivered or saved. And I've told you time and again that the word salvation is synonymous with the word deliverance. So what do you need deliverance from today? Sometimes we simply have to be delivered from ourselves. And we just have to pray, Lord, save me from myself. However, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. And therefore you and I do not have the commandment, nor the qualification to condemn anybody. Can the church say a great big collective amen wherever you are in the virtual platform today listening to these words? It is not our job to condemn. God never gave us those qualifications. And if we condemn someone, then we are likely to be held to that same degree of condemnation by the Lord when we stand before Him. So let's lay aside all the judgmental attitudes, all the prejudices, all the discriminations, and all those things that cause other people to stumble. So as we think about this condemnation in Jesus' prayer for unity, He tells us that we are to pray, but we are frail and we are fading vessels. We are earthen vessels, and everything of the earth passes away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord shall not pass away. Jesus is the word of the Lord. Capital W, in the beginning was the word, capital W-O-R-D. Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh. Jesus is the word, and his glory never fades. But this treasure has been placed into the earthen vessels of our bodies, which the Bible clearly teaches us that are perishing on the outside every day. That means the physical body is dying a little bit more every day. But the inward person is being renewed a little bit more day by day. And that's called sanctification. That's called growing in grace and knowledge. And that's why Jesus prayed for us. That's why he prayed that prayer. And that's why he continues to lift your name and mine even today before the Father. You know, we only need to have been watching the news for the last couple of weeks to realize that somehow we are earthen vessels and the glory that has been given to us somehow is not always being faithfully shared with an unbelieving world. The Bible does say, deliver us from the evil one. And yet Paul says, when I desire to do good, evil is always present. And you understand how that is. But just two weeks ago, today, I believe, we had the massacre in Buffalo. A group of innocent African-American people in the community that they knew and loved and felt so safe in, were doing nothing more than just going to the grocery store in their neighborhood. What could be more innocent than that? Going to the grocery store, going to meet up with neighbors and friends, maybe share a smile or 
uh, a bit of news about sadness or joy. You know, we are the church in the grocery store as much as we are within the buildings on Saturday or Sunday. I hope you understand that. You are the church wherever you go. And these people, these brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, were shot, they were killed, they were mowed down with hatred because of the color of their skin and no other reason. May God have mercy. May God help us to understand that we are the children of God created in the image and likeness of God. And you know, the news was all about Buffalo um, that next day. And we didn't hear a whole lot about it. But on Sunday, which was two weeks ago, today actually, there was a shooting in California in a Presbyterian church, which could have been much, much worse, although the killer was apprehended before a whole lot of lives were lost. But that was an Asian-American community of Christians, brothers and sisters of like precious faith, who were doing nothing more than gathering to worship and then to have a business meeting and fellowship together when they were attacked. Innocent people by hatred and by someone who is being driven by the forces of darkness rather than being drawn by the power of the light. And as, if that wasn't bad enough, then on Tuesday of this past week, the tragic uh, story that continues to unfold in unbelievable phases of innocent elementary school children, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, who were attacked in the presumed safety of a classroom with their teachers two days before the end of the spring break. They were ready for summer vacation, happy children. They just had their award celebration. Many of them had had their last picture made just an hour or two before, and some of them had pictures made with their mother or father or grandparents or friends, not knowing that within just a couple of short hours their innocent young lives would be mowed down. All of this simply serves as a reminder that we need unity in the body of Christ. And we sit around and argue about things that are trivial. And the Lord warns us in the Bible, the scripture writers teach us, that we are not to get caught up in all of these kinds of discussions and questions and topics that generate strife. There will always be people who will come to try to find out what they can find out from you so they can go into the community and assimilate it out into the community and always add something to it or take away something from it. So that's why the Bible says, let our yea be yea and our nay be no. Let it be a yes or no. And as people of faith, sometimes we need to exercise that faith a whole lot more than we currently are because so often we forget all about these tragedies until the time comes that it's at our door. And then all of a sudden, we expect the world to stop, and yet we wouldn't stop long enough to even pray that God could use us in the situations that I've already talked about. You see, unity is something we need around the world. I'm not right now talking about Ukraine, although it's being devastated daily by the attack from Russia. And I'm not talking about Nigeria right now. And we have a, a grade school there, Shades of Grace Elementary School, with 180 students and eight teachers that we sponsor. And I'm not talking about Nigeria. I'm talking about our own homeland. I'm talking about the United States. How long can this be allowed to continue? Does not the Bible state very clearly a house divided against itself cannot stand? What part of cannot do we not understand? A house divided itself against itself cannot stand. And we see that. One group is pitted against another group, and this person doesn't like that person. And we are at odds with one another, forgetting that we're all created in the image and likeness of God. And may God have mercy upon us. And there has to be something beginning in my heart and in your heart. The songwriter says it only takes a spark to get the fire going. And then all those gathered around can warm up 
to its glowing, but it has to start somewhere. Will it start in your heart today? Can we start this unity anew in our own heart? Because it's not my brother or my sister or the preacher or the deacon or the music teacher or the songwriter or the politician or anybody else. It's me. It's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of your grace and standing in the need of unity with those around me of like precious faith. You know, John Wesley, our great forefather in the faith, and I will not quote this, I have to very loosely paraphrase it, but he says, cannot we agree on the things that we do agree upon and on the things we can't understand clearly together, at least we agree together to love one another and to not fight against one another. You know, I think God looks upon the church with sadness and disdain and even disgust sometimes because we have so often made it into a little country club rather than a house of worship, a place that should be called a house of prayer for all people. And I know I don't say that enough, but the church of Jesus Christ is a living organism. It is you, it's me, it's everyone of every walk of life who proclaims the name of Jesus and trusts the Lord. That is the church. That is the true church. Not something, not some building with just a name on the door, but Jesus is the Lord. He is the one foundation, and upon Him we stand. And so, can we say maybe we are living beneath our privilege as people of faith? Can we only admit that we're not unified as God wants us to be? You don't have to go very far. You don't have to go beyond Washington to be able to see that one political party is opposed to the other political party. And it goes both ways. I'm not singling out anybody. I'm simply saying that human nature has not changed. And human nature can only change when the Holy Spirit moves upon us and in us and that we have a willingness to see life through the eyes of Jesus and hear the cries of the least of these as Jesus hears them. Not to simply pass by and pretend that it doesn't exist, but to stand up and be counted and make a difference in the world. That's what unity means. So we do live beneath our privilege. That prayer that I read a few minutes ago from John chapter 17, did he not only pray that the unbelieving world would believe? No. He also prayed that they will know the Heavenly Father loves them, even just like He loves Jesus. You know, if we could fully understand how much God really loves us, we would live a better life. We would love our neighbors more. We would love other people more. Those with whom we don't even agree. We would love people. You know, the Bible says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. If we don't love, we can quit preaching, and we can go to the house, because we're making a mockery of Jesus Christ and what He has taught us and prayed that we need to do. He prayed that the unbelievers would understand the love of the Father for them. We sing that song, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. How much does He love us? How deep is that love? How wide? How high? How tall? The children sing the song, It's so tall you can't jump over it. It's so low you can't tunnel under it. It's so wide you can't go around it. you got to go in through the door. And you know, Jesus gave many stories, many parables, many teachings about love and that that love covers a multitude of sins and that you know, we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus exemplifying that love. Not in word, but in deed. Anybody can say, I love you, and turn around and walk off and forget about it. But love is an action word. Love is a verb. Love means get up out of the seat of do nothing and do something. Be busy about the Father's business. Can the church say amen wherever you are today? Do you recall some of those stories 
that Jesus gave, like the Good Samaritan. It was the person that was hated and looked down upon, the person certainly who was not found in the bond of unity with the Jewish people of that day, who actually became the hands and feet of Jesus. It wasn't those who were bragging about how good they were doing it, but it was the man who would simply say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Have mercy upon me. People misunderstand me. People hate me. But Lord, I want to do your will. And we sing a little song that says, I want to be more holy in my heart. I want to be more like Jesus in my heart. You know, this message, this prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 was not directed toward the unbelievers and the heathens, as we say, or as we say in Appalachia, heathen, you put an R in there, you know, sometimes we do that in our good Appalachian brogue. But he was addressing it to the people of God, to the people who claimed the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and for each of us today who claim the name of Jesus Christ and the title of Christian, which means the anointed ones. So, I've already told you that at the time Jesus prayed this prayer, the church was not yet in existence. It would only come into existence on the day of Pentecost after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended back to the Father. It doesn't matter, though, that it's addressing the Old Testament people here in the prayer. He could easily be addressing any church in the world today or even a storefront house of worship called Shades of Grace. The message is for God's people, not just leaders, not just for preachers, but for all of us. You know, we can preach love, we can talk love all day long, and we sing what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And I've heard Oscar say so many times, the world needs more love. But how many of you know the words about love are cheap? Somebody said words are a dime a dozen. How many humble seekers for the truth? How many people who are looking for a better way and are actually trying to find God and hope and peace in their lives have been turned away from God rather than being drawn into the presence of God? Because we are not in unity. We are a divided people. And this denomination preaches one thing, and this denomination preaches another thing. And then we condemn other people, and we say, well, I've got the real truth, and those people don't have the truth. Let me tell you, if you have Jesus in your life, you have all the truth that you'll ever need, because he said, I am truth. I am the way, I am the life. But I am the truth. So seek Jesus, trust Jesus, love Jesus, and you won't have time to spend time arguing about the things that divide us. And we will find ourselves being a unified people. You know, this is really where the rubber meets the road. Think about that. That prayer of unity produces what is called the fruit of the Spirit. And they, they mean love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you read about that in the letter to the Galatians, chapter 5. Now let me ask a question. Do my words match up with that list of the fruit that I just read? Can I confess? Must we all confess that there is still work to be done on that part of our lives? You know, we talk about patience, and then we blow our stack when things don't go right. You know, we talk about peace, but then we go out and involve ourselves in things that create uh, unrest in the world. We talk about kindness, and we go out, and then we live with bitterness and anger in our heart. And we talk about generosity, and then we fail to even give a piece of bread to somebody who's hungry. We talk about self-control, and yet we will explode uh, without cause for any reason. You see, words are cheap. But how is it with you today? How is it in your heart and in your soul? The point I'm trying to make 
is there cannot be a bond of unity or any uh, level of unity with our brothers and sisters until we can find that own unity in our personal life. You're not going to find it in somebody else if you haven't found it within yourself because you cannot give what you don't have. I read a meme on Facebook and I'll paraphrase it, but it says if you cannot find Christ uh, in the beggar who comes to the door of Shades of Grace for a piece of bread or a bottle of water or uh, a prescription or a hot shower or some warm clothes, then you're not going to find Jesus even though you take communion and proclaim because you're looking in the wrong places. You're not unified. And we need to be, be at unity with the bond of peace with my, one another. So we have to be at peace within ourselves first. We cannot offer what we do not have. And then the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit are the works of flesh. And I will not take the time this afternoon to go through that. But if you'll look that up, you can discover, I'm losing my Easter uh, purple here today, uh, but if you'll make a list of the fruits of the Spirit and then another list of the works of the flesh and then begin to draw a line from one to the other and put your name in the middle and find out how you measure up. You know, no one's going to have 100%. I don't care who you are. You can say, well, I've got all the fruit of the Spirit 100% of the time. And I will simply say, not. Can the church say amen? <laughs> well, anyway, I think I almost heard somebody say amen out there. We all fall short. We all slip up. We all backslide. We all stumble. But God's grace is more than enough. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there was an old story about um, the old Native American grandfather talking to his young grandson. And he said, Grandson, it's like this. There are two wolves within inside of every one of us. And those wolves are fighting each other. And one wolf is the work of the flesh, and one is the work of the Spirit. One is the fruit of the Spirit. One is the flesh at work. And they're, they're always within us. And the little boy said, Grandpa, he said, which one of those wolves wins in the end? And the grandfather said, Son, it's the one that you feed the most. So I want you to feed the part of you that is hungry for God, that is reaching out to Jesus, that is searching for God, and not the one that is creating division and divisiveness and a lack of unity in the world. You see... God is not the author of confusion. And if you're finding yourself always in confusion, always at the center of the arguments and the discussions that are negative and taking you downhill, then you need to switch sides and go from the fleshly side to the spiritual side where you will find the unity and the bond of love through the Holy Spirit. And that's as plain as I know how to put it. You know, I've got a little bit more. Actually, i got another page and a half in my sermon today. But I am going to wind it up because I think I've actually been going longer than I intended. But this is the good news of the gospel. Be encouraged. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I thank God that Jesus regularly calls my name in prayer and He calls your name in prayer. And I can honestly say, Jesus prays for you a whole lot more than I pray for you. And Jesus prays for me a whole lot more than you pray for me. But we need to pray without ceasing. And that doesn't mean we have to have our head bowed and our hands closed and our head down. But it means in everything you do, you give thanks to God. In everything you do, you honor God with your actions, deeds, and the words of your lips. And bring unity into a world that is so filled with divisiveness today. I pray that God will bless you, dear friends, and I so much look forward to meeting with you again throughout the week by means of our virtual platforms of Facebook Live Stream and of uh, YouTube and through the podcast 
that we offer throughout the week. And look forward to meeting you again in the House of Worship next Saturday morning at 1030 in um, Shades of Grace, downtown Kingsport, Tennessee. Have a wonderful week. God bless you, dear friends, in the name of Jesus Christ, until we meet again. Bye.